0: How do you feel about your body? Are you glad for the body you have? Do you wish you could get an upgrade, a refund, or an exchange? In this series called Adulting, I'm inviting us to read 1 Corinthians with one particular question in mind. That is, what does it look like to follow Jesus like a grown-up? Or how does a mature church think and behave? Here's what Paul writes. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never! Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own, you are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So, apparently, in Corinth there were some men in the church who were visiting prostitutes and believing or arguing that mature Christians are free to do this. There were two main points to their argument. First, they said that believers in Christ have been set free, which is true. The Jews had the old covenant with all the rules they had been that they had to follow to be good with God. But because Jesus' death and resurrection, we are now under the covenant of grace. It's our faith in Jesus that makes us right, not following a list of rules. So they say, we are free to do anything. That was the first argument. The second argument they gave was that they believed the body was simply a temporary physical container that holds the part of us that really matters, the spirit. What matters are spiritual things, not physical things, and since the body will be destroyed, it doesn't matter what we do with it now. Specifically, since our bodies have appetites, we should go ahead and satisfy them. So in a couple weeks, we'll come back and unpack this issue of Christian freedom Next week, we'll look more directly at how to apply today's truth to the issue of sex and what the Christian view of sex is. But this morning, we're going to start where Paul spends most of his time, with the body. How should Christians think about their bodies? See, in these nine verses, Paul mentions the body, or your body, eight times. It's clearly important to Paul that we get our understanding of the body right, if we are to think and act maturely in Christ. But before we hear what Paul says, I want to think a moment together about what our culture tells us about the body. You know, in some ways, our culture idolizes the body, at least if the body looks a certain way. From beauty pageants to sports Illustrated's swimsuit and body editions to bodybuilding competitions, to most soap operas and commercials, our culture celebrates and shows off bodies that fit the right mold. The mold being usually young, muscular, coordinated, with all the right proportions and the right body weight. However, if your hair is graying or your skin is wrinkling or you have some extra under the arms or around the middle, then there are products that we will happily sell you in order to at least make you look like you have a body worth idolizing. Yet at the same time, our culture also assigns value to people who have made it, quote unquote, business-wise. People in leadership positions, people with big paychecks, regardless of the price their bodies have paid to get there. Our culture celebrates people who work long hours, who sacrifice whatever it takes to get to the top of their field, Or who become independently wealthy even if it brings high blood pressure, heart attack, mental breakdown, or exhaustion along the way. Why bother listening to your body? That's just another obstacle to be overcome in getting to the top and staying there. If along the way the body should happen to break down, well, we're generally told just to get a prescription to cover over the pain, or replace what's worn out and keep going. That's our culture sometimes idolizing, sometimes neglecting completely the body. But what about the church? What has the church tended to say about our bodies? Well, in my experience, the church hasn't said much. Perhaps because of the belief that the spiritual life doesn't have to do much with the body, or When it has said something, it's often been a list of things people shouldn't do with their bodies. Don't do drugs, don't drink alcohol, at least in our tradition, don't smoke, don't have sex, at least not outside of marriage, but since that was the only time sex was ever talked about, it seemed that sex must be a terrible thing and that it can only be properly endured with your spouse. Add to that the kind of things people say at funerals, trying to be comforting about a person's spirit being in heaven while the body, which we often say, isn't really grandma anymore, is there in the casket. All of this just adds to the confusion about how to think about our bodies and whether or not they matter, and if they do, why. So, in the next few minutes, I want to unpack four things Paul says about our bodies and then consider what these might mean for how we live. Number one, Paul says that the body is meant for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And he doesn't say your spirit is meant for the Lord as if the body is a costume that you unzip and step out of when you die and then go meet the Lord. He says the body is meant for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Your body was designed by God to be at its best when you are living in right relationship with God. You were made for open, unhindered relationship with God. And when you live that way, it is good for your body. To whatever degree you're missing that, if you have shut God out of your life completely, either intentionally or unintentionally, or if you're doing things with your body that aren't pleasing to the Lord, your body will suffer because of that. Because your body is meant for the Lord. This, I think, is why we see certain people who have lived far from God or in rough circumstances, and their bodies look much older than they really are. Your body is meant for the Lord and the Lord for the body. When you give and receive God's love regularly, it's good for your body. The second thing Paul says is, God raised the Lord and will raise us up by his power. If all that mattered to God was an inner spiritual part of us. Why would God bother telling us that our bodies will be raised? When God became human in Jesus, one of the things this revealed was how important bodies are. I mean, God could have just shown up as spirit. God was already present as spirit, as invisible, the invisible being that God is. But God became human, and in doing so, God instilled even a deeper, visible value in the human body. And then, when God raised Jesus' body from the grave, it affirmed, again, the importance of the body, and it revealed that this will be our future, too, if we continue in the faith. We believe, we say, we believe as Christians in the resurrection of the body, both Jesus' body and our bodies. Your body is not simply a container that holds the important part of you, the real you. Your body is so valued by God, so much a part of who you are, that God has promised to raise up our bodies to eternal life. Yes, they will be different, just as the plant That grows is different from the seed that was originally planted. But there is a continuity too. Jesus, when he was raised, still had his scars from what happened before he was raised. Something was the same. And yet, often his disciples didn't quite recognize him or his body could do things that it could not have done previously. Those... Old scars did not hinder Jesus. The third thing Paul says is that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. You know, a few weeks ago we talked about how the church together is God's temple. That is, when the group of believers gather together, Jesus is present. But it's also true that for the Christian, your individual body... Your personal body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. Your body is where God lives. If you have confessed your sin, opened your life to Jesus to be your rescuer, then God has placed a portion of God's Spirit within you. Salvation is not simply about forgiveness of sin. It's also about union with God. God's Spirit in you. Therefore, wherever you go, God goes. God lives within your body. Whatever you do, God participates in. Whatever you watch, God watches. Whatever you listen to, God is also listening to. The people you encounter, God is encountering. Wherever you are is where you can communicate with God, and vice versa. Wherever you are is the place where heaven and earth meet. This is what Again the ancients understood about the temple and you are the temple so wherever you are is where others can encounter the living god your body is a temple finally paul says you are not your own you were bought with a price therefore glorify god in your body as a christian you are not the final master of your body that is you are not free to do whatever you want with your body. God has shared his authority with you, has delegated the power to you to take care of your own body. You are now responsible for the decisions you make with your body, but you are a steward of your body, not the sole owner. God is owner, master of your body. We could say God became master of your body when God created it. But more specifically, more to Paul's point, God became master of your body when Jesus died and was raised for your body. The result of Jesus' death and resurrection isn't simply, again, that forgiveness is available for your sins, or even that you are joined in union with God. Another result is that you were a slave to sin and God bought you off the auction block. You are now not your own. you have been bought with a price, therefore, the only proper response, the only adequate response to such gift is to honor God with your body, to make choices with your body that bring God glory. Now, if these things are true, if if our bodies are made for the Lord, if God raised Jesus from the dead, if you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, and God lives in you. If you were bought with a price, you are not your own, but God's. If these things are true, then I would suggest that the body you have been given is God's gift to you. That God intends to relate to you and intends for you to relate to him in and through your body. Not through somebody else's body, not some supernatural way that's disconnected from the body, but in relationship with your body. God made it. God bought you with the price. Your body is a gift, a good gift from God to you. Now, I know this is hard for some of you to believe that your body could be God's good gift to you. Hard to believe because perhaps people have told you the opposite about your body, or because people have done things to your body that says differently were because of the weaknesses or limitations, aches, pains, brokenness of your body. I'm not saying that there aren't things that God may still want to heal, and I'm not saying that everything that has happened to your body is a gift from God, but I'm saying that your unique body is is a gift, the gift that God has given you and you alone. And it's a gift that God values And through that gift, and only through that gift, can you experience and share God's love. It's a gift. Your body is a gift to you from God. And so, what you do with your body matters. What you put into your body, how you take care of your body. From food and drink and other substances to how you rest it when your body says you need to rest, to whether you take the time or spend the money to respond to the times when your body is diseased or telling you that it needs something. For the Christian, issues like weight loss or whether to get health issues addressed or how many hours to work or whether exercise should matter or what is appropriate sexually or all of these issues related to body care, they're all issues that require that we ask the question, How can I honor God with my body and the decisions that I make about my body? So as we go into our closing song and give time for the Spirit to really make personal what you've been hearing this morning in the Word, I want to give a couple of suggestions that may help you take this further. I want to suggest, first of all, that perhaps this week you need to take some time to thank God for your body. For some of you, that may be perfectly natural and easy. For others, it may be a discipline to work through thanking God for your body. You may need to have an honest, difficult conversation with God about your body, and that's okay. You may not feel thankful, or you may, but I want to invite you just to have that conversation with God and allow God to gift you with gratefulness about the body that you have. A second idea. Maybe this week, take some time and do what I am going to call a body scan. That is, notice, pay attention to your body, starting with the top of your head and working your way down to the soles of your feet. Notice the places where there is pain. The places where there is tension Where things are not right, where things are good and whole, notice what your body is telling you good, bad, or indifferent and then have a conversation with God about what you're hearing. Another idea memorize these verses, these truths about your body that Paul says that your body is meant for the Lord. And the Lord for your body. That God raised the Lord and will raise us by his house. That your body is a temple of the Spirit within you. That you are not your own. That you were bought with a price. Put these verses on note cards and perhaps stick them on your bathroom mirror. Look at them. Speak the truth about your body to yourself when you look at yourself in the mirror. Take them in the car. Memorize these words and make them personal to you. Another idea. Since as God's temple you are taking God wherever you go and God is joining in, and since you are not your own but God's, take some time and ask the Lord to reveal to you whether there's any current practices in your life that you know God wouldn't want to be a part of, or practices that aren't honoring God with your body. If something comes up, confess it. Ask for forgiveness. And then turn away from that practice. Get rid of it. Tell someone else that you're turning away from it. Ask them to help you keep accountable to it. Because your body was made for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Finally, if you have never invited God to live within you, never opened yourself up to God to be God's temple, never turned your life over to God's control, there is no better day than today to do that. I would love to talk to you about this. It's the best decision you could ever make. If not me, talk to somebody else that you trust, that has a walk with the Lord that you admire. Let me pray, and then we will. Go to a song and allow the Spirit to speak to you. God, thank you. You are the creator of all that is and the creator of our bodies. You have said that it's a good gift, a gift good enough for you to come and live within. So God, help us as we learn to live into that truth. For some of us, it's easy. For others, it's very hard. But we invite you, Holy Spirit, to do your good work and help us embrace all that is good about the gift of our bodies and release to you all that has yet to be made whole. Father, would you be honored through how we use and treat our bodies. Amen.